My name is Jan Welch, and welcome to part one of episode 17 of the Then and Now Blading podcast featuring Fritz Peitzner. This interview was a lot longer than most of the ones I've done before, so I broke it into two parts. So for part one, we're going to talk about Fritz's history in inline skating, what it was like growing up in Plano at Eisenberg's skate park. We talk about him competing in a hoedown and other competitions around the U.S. We then discuss the Dallas, Texas skating scene. And then we move on to his travels around Europe and South America with his good friend, Josh Glowicki. For episode two, we get into his big wheel blading. We talk about his skate shop, Carriers, and we dive into his really bad head injury he received at the powwow at the beginning of COVID. I hope you enjoy episode one. If you do, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to this channel if you haven't already, hit the bell icon to be notified of all new uploads. I have links to my social media and my Patreon page in the description below, so you can check those out if you want. Hello Fritz, welcome to the Then and Now Blading podcast. For those of you not familiar with Fritz, he's a long time Dallas, Texas inline skater growing up in Plano, and he frequented Eisenberg Skate Park as a kid where he became really good at skating when he was known for his style, he competed in the hoedowns, lots of comps around Texas, grew up with a lot of influential skaters. Now he has a skate shop pretty much across the street from where Eisenberg's used to be called Carriers. Yep. And he also traveled the world a lot with another Dallas skater named Josh Glowicki. They spent about 15 months combined in Europe and South America, taking in the sights, the skating, the food, all the good stuff that goes along with that. Yes. So Fritz, welcome. How are you today? I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm doing awesome. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So looking at you right now, you're surrounded by a lot of skates. I see a bunch of power slide skates behind you, some skates yeah. they sew to roll. I'm not sure if those are roller skates or the ones in the orange boxes orange on box. your other side. Oh, yeah. Uh, these are uh, Kaya roller skates, yeah. Okay. So gotta... where are you at right now? <laughs> the, I call it the warehouse aka my parents house <laughs> so uh this is their media room that they don't use and um my shop is my shop is really small like uh god if i could if i could hold a quarter of this inventory there it'd be awesome the shop is super small so i keep most of the stuff here um yeah and this is where i like go back and forth from my parents house to the shop and refill it it's it's pretty funny. Like, uh, like you said, um, the shop is literally around the corner from where Eisenberg's was probably like a one minute walk from where Eisenberg's used to be. Um, my mom, uh, used to cut hair in the, in the shop that I'm in now. Uh, so whenever she would go to work, I would go to Eisenberg's and I would, I would skate there from like nine in the morning until midnight. <laughs> And so I, I got used to going back and forth and it's crazy. Whenever, whenever the whole thing developed, I ended up right next to where Eisenberg's was. That's really amazing. How many skates do you have sitting at your parents' house right now? Dude, it, I, I want to say around 300, but, but more on like the, like 350 side. So I think there could be more. And then I have a whole bunch downstairs. I got to unpack too. That's impressive. And that's crazy. very cool to see. You've got a, long ways since we did an interview with you for big wheel blading at the very beginning of your store when you weren't even in a storefront yet you were still yeah. selling out of your van and we're going to get into that a little bit later 
I wanted to go into your history of skating. But before we do that, I want to ask you one question. You said, you know, now you have a store across the street from Eisenberg's was, and Eisenberg's, you know, had a pro shop back in the day mm -hmm. selling skates. Yep. Which shop has a better selection, your shop or Eisenberg's back in the day? Oh, God. Well, for aggressive skating, Eisenberg's definitely was on top. You know, um, I had to take a different route. Uh, aggressive skating, uh, whenever I started, was, you know, like super down. <clears throat> but I did want to start a shop because everywhere I went, everywhere I skated, people would ask me where I got my skates. That's a whole nother story, too. But uh, yeah, long story short, I, when, the, when the idea came to start a shop, I realized that, um, that fitness skating or rec skating was the way to start. Uh, that was the more, I guess, profitable way to start a shop. And then I went to aggressive skating. But uh, Eisenberg's definitely, they had everything on time. Like, uh, I miss... I miss that world. I'm, I'm, tr I'm actually like trying to recreate as much as I can. Like my ideas are pretty big for it. But I remember like Eisenberg's not only, you know, God, they had the shop, but they also had a park and a place to hang out. It was literally called the home for skaters. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's where we went. Like that's where we found out about skates and yeah, they had a, yeah, as far as aggressive skating goes, like, I still got a I still got a little bit to go. I remember going to the grand opening of Eisenberg's. I still have my invitation from from that they sent me in the mail. I still have a copy of that somewhere. I'll see if I can find it, throw it on the Patreon page. When did you start skating? How old were you? And did you start aggressive skating right away? Or were you just rolling around the neighborhood? Damn. All right. Yeah. Uh I was gonna I was gonna say 13, because I you know, I, re I remember the day that I got my aggressive skates, but I think I started skating like, I want to say like a year or two before, like 11, I got a, I'm pretty sure they were called, gosh, what were they called? They were um something 2000s, like it was like a purple and black skate. I think it was rollerblade brand. Gosh, I, I wish I remember that. It was like, they were like the infinity 2000s or something weird like that. Uh, but anyways, I, I started skating like up and down the street and, um, you know, jumping off curves. And then I took out the middle wheels and, and tried grinding. Um, just like, I mean, a, a lot of kids that day and those times did. Um, but yeah, I think I was probably about 11 and then really took it seriously at 13. And what were your first skates? Solomon, um, the blue ones, the ST8s, I think those were. Yeah. First skates. And, and, and were you aggressive skating before Eisenberg's opened or did you start after Eisenberg's opened? After, for sure. After I had no, like, I had no idea. Um, aggressive skating even existed until man I went through like biking and skateboarding and then and then aggressive skating so um yeah it was definitely definitely after Eisenberg's was open I like I didn't even know what a skate park was you know um I didn't even know that kind of skating existed and then after biking and skateboarding I was like okay there's 
there's rollerblading and that's a that's also a cool story too like big you know figuring out um out of those three sports which one i wanted to stick with it was cool it was like my first real group of friends that kind of stuck with me for a long time and why did you end up picking rollerblading out of the three i just uh i just kind of fit in there I, I fit into that world um biking was cool i don't know if i don't know if everyone was like like that much better but you know it wasn't the same like same thing with skateboarding rollerblading kind of like i think my friends in what was it middle school just kind of like had a group already and they took me in like like one of their good friends right away so i think that year it was like a few months after we went trick-or-treating with our skates with our aggressive skates and uh it was it was cool like i yeah i feel like i kind of just fit in better into the aggressive aggressive skating world does anyone from that first group of yours still skate? Oh God. No. I mean, I think I think one of them will like put his skates on like like maybe once a year or something. But no. <clears throat> That's another funny thing is the amount of groups that I went through. Like it was almost like like I was always the last of the Mohicans, and then <laughs> I would end up in another group, and then a lot of people would quit from that group and I would end up in another group it's a really funny process um kind of seeing like rollerblading be really cool and then as it was dying like the groups were getting smaller and smaller so like some of the guys that i used to yeah we used to have like rivalry with other groups other crews or whatever um we all ended up in the same group <laughs> that was big in texas especially in dallas since you had so many yeah. Cruise. And from people who haven't been to Dallas, Dallas is a huge metroplex, Dallas, Fort Worth, and there's dozens of cities, fairly large, all yep. connected. And every one of them had a skate scene. There was a lot of Dallas had three skate parks back then. There was Eisenberg's, there was Rapid Revolutions, yep. and there was Freestyle in Kinnandale, which was also a really cool skate park. Yeah. And I remember that's where you know Shane Scowers and Feinberg hung out quite a bit. That's tight. Um and there was a lot of pros coming through Dallas because of Eisenberg's. Yep. What was your first, do you remember your first experience like skating with pros? It was actually, I think it was Shane Scour and Ryan Dawes. I won't, but I remember like the first time, like I actually got to skate with, uh, with a pro. It was really cool. Um, the Eisenberg's used to have a W ramp. And, uh, and I, that, that was the main thing that I sessioned. <clears throat> and of course, when the pros were around, I was more intimidated by the pros. So I wouldn't really, if they were skating this section, I would skate the other section, right? Like, um, not, not because they were mean or anything. I just like, they just skated really well. But anyways, I, I was skating the W one day and I, I was having a good session. And, uh, and out of nowhere, right behind me is Shane Scour. Session, like, like he joined my line. And so it was like, I would, I would lace a trick. He would lace a trick. And it's like a, a pretty good run. I think like, I mean, I landed every one of my tricks to where I just kind of, kind of came up at the end of the ramp and just stopped. And he came up to me and he gave me a high five, right? Like he just put his hand out and I was like, Oh my God, like so cool. I, I remember that day, like forever, basically. Cause at that point I thought, man, like this pro just skated 
with me, you know, like, um, he, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Uh, that, that was like, yeah, the, the first pro skater I got to skate with. And then of course, Ryan Dawes, uh, who was like the coolest dude to everybody. So, um, had a lot of cool sessions with him. Yeah. Ryan was really cool. And Ryan was like a gymnast. He did a lot of cool flips. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. God damn. We had some good dudes. Cause there was also, uh, yeah, Ryan, I mean, watching Ryan was like a show every time I'd like come into Eisenberg's if he was somewhere it was on the W ramp and he would do these huge backflips like huge backflips above coping that no one else could do uh we got kind of used to that to be honest like we I don't think we really appreciated how good that guy really was he was just really consistent and how many pros came through Eisenberg's when there wasn't like a hoedown was there a lot of people coming there or was it mainly just during the events no, there, there were a lot that came through, um, from what I remember, uh, Tyler Shields is one of them, uh, that like, you know, kind of, he, he came in and like, not, not for any event and he would just skate, um, who's another, and then like, of course, like the Texas pros, like Chris Fleener, Jason Howard, uh, Shannon was awesome to run into, um, yeah, I mean, God, there were a lot, but they, they kind of came in at weird times too, because I wasn't there like during the school year, like during the day. But um, I mean, Farmer, Farmer was in Dallas for a while. Um, who else? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much every pro that I can think of, like from my generation, Feinberg, um, they would just kind of show up. Yeah, I went up there quite a bit with like Jason and Lonnie and Shannon and Frank. Yeah, Lonnie and Fleener. You know, they would all meet us there. That was a good times. Eisenberg's really enjoyed it. The other parks I'd mentioned, Rapid Revolutions and Freestyle. Did you ever skate those at all? Not Rapid Revolution, Freestyle. I did a lot. Uh, Weston Kramer, another another big pro, um, who. Yeah, super cool guy. Uh, actually, like, he's come to the shop too. Um, yeah, freestyle. I think that was his park. I'm not. It was his park. He skated there all the time. I skated yeah. there with uh, Sean Robertson a couple times too. Yeah, that's another dude. Fucking Sean. Like, uh, I never really got to meet Sean, uh, but I remember one day I came to Eisenberg's and I still didn't understand like tricks or anything like that. I knew spins like up to up until like a 720, but Sean was doing switch and natural 900s over the launch box that day. And my friend was like, you see that switch and that's natural. He's spinning that way first. And then that was crazy. Yeah. And then there was Bubba's Yadis too. Oh yeah. I forgot about him. He was always on the vert. Yeah, he was good. That vert ramp was gnarly at Eisenberg's. Yeah. And Freestyle had a vert ramp too, right? Yeah, but no one, no one really skated that vert ramp. It was, it was in a weird portion of the park, really. I think that's maybe, maybe it. Like it was right behind the mini ramp. So I'd always see the back of the vert, but I never really skated it. But that vert at Eisenberg's, it was cool because you could transfer out of the vert to the landing of the launch box. And I would see a lot of people. I think uh, Sean Robertson did something like that. Like either he transferred out of the vert into the landing of the launch box or vice versa during 
an old hoedown. I wasn't there, but I saw it in a video. So of your crew that you would grew up skating with at Eisenberg's, who did you enjoy skating with the most? Like, who do you want to see the park to session with? Man, there was this dude named Trey Applegate. I remember him. He was sick, dude. Like, he was, um, he was one of, like, the Eisenberg's people, right? And there was Chase Harding, too, which was also, like, a pretty cool guy, pretty good skater, like, actually amazing skater. Uh, but Trey was, like, he was, he was taking it very seriously. He actually turned ASA pro a year before me. And he kind of trained me the whole way, right? Like he was doing corkscrew 720s. He would uh, lay out a line, like, like tell me like, this is what a line should look like. You want to do a spin plus a grind and like, you want to be creative. Uh, so anytime I saw Trey at the skate park, I knew we were gonna, we were gonna session and have fun, but also like get to business, which was, which was my goal at that time uh, to turn pro. And what was the first time you competed in a hoedown? Jesus. I think. I don't remember the year. I was 16. Had to have been 16 or 17. God damn. Um, kind of a kind of a blur, like the, the first time. I know I I know I got hurt. <laughs> I definitely got hurt that year. I was grinding off the, that top. You remember the top shotgun ledge where the handrail yeah. used to be? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was that year. Uh, I'm, I want to say. I want to say it was the year that you'll, you'll probably remember this trick, but Jason Howard did like a neutral topsail on the rail, like on the flat part of the rail to 270 or 360 sole down it. it yeah, was, I remember that. I think it was that year. Okay. I'm I not sure what year that was, but I can't remember the year either. But yeah, that that was it. I I, I didn't do very well. I got hurt. <laughs> what was the best you ever did at a hoedown? Uh one of the last years, actually. Um it was when uh Julian Coudot and the French guys came and they had like they all had the matching jackets. It wasn't the very last year, it was one of the last years. Um but I remember, I remember that year I made it to finals and I can't remember what place I got, maybe fifth place or something, but it was a session. It was like, a, like not, it didn't feel like a competition, which was cool. I think that's when I did my best because I felt the best. And I knew the guys and everything, like they came and I think um, it was Julian, Julian Coudot and... Um, Roman Godinaire was there that year uh, and they were all really cool. Um, and so I remember like during the comp, like instead of having to compete to hit the spot, they would say, you go, you got it. And I'd be like, oh yeah, all right, I got it. Uh, it was when uh, Arlo made that, uh, that rainbow ledge with the transfers. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. So growing up in Eisenberg's, like how far did you live from there? You could just skate there? Yeah, I could skate there. It was like, yeah, I mean, skating would probably take me 10, 15 minutes. Driving was like five minutes. So you're pretty lucky as a kid to be so close to that. Dude, I, and I had no idea for the longest time that it was there. 
And it was also not just a skate park. They also had shows. They had like, it was kind of youth orientated. There's yep. a lot of kids that didn't skate that hung out there. Yep. What was it like being there as a kid and growing up? Like what impact did it have on your life? Dude, it was, it was actually my, um, yeah, my everything, like my, my place. Yeah. To go and socialize, hang out, be cool, get my, you know, my, um, my energy out, right. Skating. Uh, I mean, I remember one year, my, uh, my family went to Europe and, uh, they asked me, I could, I could either have a plane ticket. They, I mean, they ended up going to Israel too, which is tight. Uh, but, uh, they asked me, I could either, either have a plane ticket to go with them or I could get, uh, a membership at Eisenberg's for the summer to get in, <laughs> to get in for like two bucks a session or something like that. I chose the, I chose the summer at Eisenberg's and uh, yeah, I mean, that's where I went all the time for everything. I didn't do very much else. Okay. Any regrets on not going with your parents? I mean, Israel sounds really cool. I like, hopefully I can go soon, but yeah, like sometimes I think about it. I'm like, damn, but that summer I did get pretty good. I remember like that was one of the coolest summers because I was there every single day from open to close. How old are you now? I actually turned 36 yesterday. So you've been skating about 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 20. I think it's 23. 23. Yeah. That's really cool. That's a long time. And of the people you skate with now, I know a lot of them have been around for a long time. What's your crew now? And were those a lot of guys you met through Eisenberg's? Let's see. Um, my crew right now, gosh. Yeah, this is this is one of the things like. Uh, right now, I guess the main people I skate with are Michael Gorski. I met him at Eisenberg's. Uh, met him at Eisenberg's. He was, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe my last original crew, right? Um, Gorski, uh, Danny Ross he skates almost every day. So if I want a session, I'll definitely hit up Danny. Josh Navarfar just started skating again. Uh, and Sullivan, um, Sullivan and Aaron, who else? Other than that, like, I mean, the, the, the skating scene here in Dallas is so big. Like tonight, there's a Thursday night skate. So, you know, like Tuesdays and Thursdays, you're guaranteed to like skate with maybe 20 plus people. Uh, but the people I call the most if I want to go session are probably Danny, Gorski, uh, Sully, um, and Josh. It, it, it's it's kind of funny. Like, uh, I think um, if there's no project going on, for example, like filming a section, uh, really we just end up skating a bunch of parks and so um we'll just kind of like you know danny danny will hit me up every day and say hey i'm going to this park if you want to join join so yeah it's my my personal crew like is smaller um but like the dallas crew is just bigger so there's always someone to skate with i mean dallas is so big a lot of those parks are pretty far away and then you have to deal with dallas traffic oh god yeah yeah that's uh that's true like I think last week, you know, that everybody, everybody will, will, will say a time, right? Like 10 a.m. or something, which sounds pretty cool. 
but yeah, getting to this particular park took me an hour and then an hour to get home. And then I got stuck in traffic. And I kind of told myself I'm never going to that park again <laughs> because of that. It's called um, Clayton Skate Park. It's a, it's a free park. And it's right next to another cool free park. I mean, it's not bad. Um, but yeah, like sometimes if, if you don't calculate your time correctly, uh, you're going to get stuck out there. And then we're spoiled here in Dallas, actually, with a, seems like there's a skate park, like, like at least every 20 minutes apart. So like where I live here in Plano, there's a, there's a skate park about 10 minutes away, um, the Plano park. And then there's the Allen park, which is another 10 minutes away. So I've got like five parks surrounding me and I can get to any of them in 10, 15 minutes. So then to think to go to all the way to Fort Worth, where that other park was, uh, doesn't make sense sometimes. One of the main sessions that happens every week is the Lions Skate Park, right? Yeah. And where is that from you? And what's that park like? I know it's it's not an indoor park, but it's covered. So it's the closest thing you have to an indoor park in Dallas? Yeah, pretty much. Um, that's about from here, from where I'm at right now, it's about 30 to 45 minutes away. Sometimes an hour, depending on traffic. Um, it's a really cool park. I rem Actually, they used to have X Games there, X Trials. Um, it was, uh, I know Jaron Grobe, I think won one of the X Games there. Uh, there was, uh, I know Ryan Dawes definitely skated it. But uh, it's a really cool, like, they had a really cool, x game style outdoor area right with like big launch boxes uh this really cool wave ledge um quarter pipes like tall quarter pipes transfers and stuff like that they recently got rid of that area and replaced it with more like um skate plaza style uh still wooden ramps i like the park uh i think the park is cool but um I think I liked it better before when they had more of the bigger ramps and stuff like that. It's a cool, it's a cool park. They used to have a foam pit too. They got, they recently got rid of that. And they're like the covered area is more it's smaller obstacles, which is still pretty fun. I, I'm there's, they're still working on it. So I'm hoping like, it'll be a little bit better. I obviously like it does, it doesn't sound like it's, I'm the biggest fan <laughs> of that park. Uh, it, it's a good park, but it's here and, and I can skate it all the time. And I saw it from the beginning. So now I'm just like, ah, you know, or wooden parks. It's all right. A lot of people watching this might know that park from the Texas Blake Classic that that Chad Hornish goes to every year and pretty much wins or does a craziest trick. Yep. 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 I think, uh, did he win last this last year? I think he did. Yeah. I think he, every, every time he comes out here, he wins it. <laughs> He kills it. Now, one last question regarding Eisenbergs. Okay. Why did Eisenberg shut down and how did it impact the Dallas aggressive scene after it closed? God. Why? Like exactly why? I don't know. I don't know exactly why. I can I can give my my assumptions uh we started having a lot of new 
free skate parks pop up, right? It started with, with the one in Allen, uh, which was a nice park. And then, uh, of course, like online, online stores or like online sales was a thing too. I, that, that could be a part of it. Um, it just started, it just start, started kind of emptying out. Like you could see it, like you could see that, that it wasn't as, as busy as, as it was before. That could be it. Um, I know the city had different plans for that area too. Like right now where Eisenberg used to be, there's this huge apartment complex with like 7-Eleven and, you know, um, God, I don't, I don't want to say that it didn't fit in with that, that area. Cause you know, that was, that was my spot, but, um, but yeah, it was like more like a downtown, like small city downtown area. And like, uh, I know, I know the city definitely had problems with kids, like skating up and down the street. Like we would do some stupid stuff too, as kids, like throw ketchup packets under car, car tires and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think honestly, like maybe, maybe sales were just not as up as they were before. Uh, Cause I know everybody, everybody there, everybody was passionate about that place. So uh, I know, I know for a few years, they would say, this is our last year. And they would push through another year until I think at the very end, even the hoedowns were getting smaller. Uh, the last hoedown was, you know, not as like, you didn't see as many pros as, as you would. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think, I think it just kind of like, started losing the popularity because there were so many like other free ways to to go skate i don't know it's pretty sad though because like you mentioned alliance uh alliance is cool but it wasn't eisenberg's you know eisenberg's was like a real indoor park with i mean everything we were so spoiled back then with this park it's crazy when did you transition from being more of a park skater to more of a street skater? <laughs> that's a that's an awesome question. Uh, I love this question because it kind of like this is street skating is kind of what maybe maybe kept me in the skating. Um, Michael Stein and Chris Stein uh, back in the day had had a crew, right? The, the o, OPT Orange Peeps Tribe. Uh, I was Chase Rushing and Sully. Um, there were a few other guys there. Um, anyways, so I, I, I would always, I would always end up at Eisenberg's and, and one day, uh, we all knew these guys were the best and they, they rarely came to the park. Right. But when they did, like they would kill it. And so they come in one day and, uh, and I got, and I knew who they were and, and I got to skate with them. And then, uh, I think Chris Stein was like, Hey dude, uh, we want to take you street skating someday. And I was like, I'm down. He's like, when do you usually come up here? I was like, Saturday mornings. And he's like, all right, we're going to scoop you up next Saturday. So, um, yeah, Chris Stein, uh, picked me up from Eisenberg's. We went street skating. My, uh, my nickname was slow and low because I would always skate real slow and get real low. Uh, when I would jump on a rail, um, 
and yeah, they kind of they kind of taught me how to street skate. Like they they taught me all the rules in street skating, like coming off the end of the rail, the right end of the rail. You know, if you jump on the left side, you know you don't want to come off far side. You know, like they taught me all the the proper rules of street skating, and that that that's that's when it started. I think I was like maybe fourteen or fifteen then. In your opinion, who is the best? street skater of all time from dallas god dang it that's such a hard question dude can i can i give you like a few answers sure give me like a top three all right damn it that's still it, hard dude that's, in no in no particular order this is so tough dude <laughs> i mean shane scour did full cab true what full cab true topsoil on Carrollton kink back then like that was so hard definitely shane scour like i think shane scour like at least for the dallas guys like molded molded a lot of our style right like like kind of like squatting and like putting your arms up and stuff like that shane scour is definitely i'll put him at number one god damn it dude um i want to say chase rushing too like because he he kind of like brought this new creative thing like style like mixed with hard tricks like he wasn't just like the creative guy that did like little dinkers you know like he 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 was a well-rounded creative skater is a well-rounded creative skater so i would say chase is in there and then you got to put michael stein in there too because michael could do everything he didn't have the best style like in in my you know my taste of skating but he could do any trick he wanted on pretty much anything uh i'll put him there god i want it can i name two more yeah let's do it there's sullivan john sullivan and i'm name, i'm also naming dallas guys too because there's also jason howard fuck we have so many good skaters dude uh sullivan like sullivan is is a is a real street skater who's got like the vocabulary down and if he misses a trick, it's going to be once or twice. That's it. Like he, he'll just knock out tricks for days. He can do full cabs. I mean, he's a, he reminds me of um, the New York guy. God, what was his name? Um, I can't remember his name. The thing I love about Sully is a, he's always been really good. Yeah. He's still really good. Yeah. And he has an age today. Dude, he's still doing it. And he, yeah. Sully, the funny thing about Sully is, uh, you know, we all joke with each other, right? Like all, like when we talk about skating and blah, you know, we would always joke about like the, the main tricks that we're known for doing. Sully broke out of that. Like, so he's, he's actually, he actually kind of has a, a different style than, than what I remember, which is cool. Cause he kind of, um, he kind of morphed, you know, he leveled up at a later age, which most people don't do. Like they kind of, they kind of get stagnant and if they're known for fish brains. They'll do fish brains all the time, blah, blah, blah. But he did, he, yeah, yeah. He um, kind of morphed, he leveled up. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I remember going to Dallas, you know, way before Eisenberg's opened to skate with some of the old school guys. And a lot of them weren't necessarily super friendly. I feel like a later generation in Dallas got a lot nicer. Did you experience anything with like an unfriendlier scene back in the early days of Dallas skating? 
Um, I guess I, I won't really say I saw it. I definitely saw it. Um, I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't really get it though. Like I never. I always kind of like in the beginning. I was kind of quiet and I would separate myself. So I would just kind of watch. Also, Eisenberg's like, you know, as a hangout or whatever. It, it was not what I was used to as a kid. You know, like, um, you know, like it was. It was Eisenberg's was a kind of like, like the people that went there were were rough around the edges. You know, like they had goth night and stuff like that. I mean, in the beginning, I, I used to go to, to church. I was in a youth group. So, like, for me, when I would go to Eisenberg's, I'd be like, oh my God, you know, what, what's going on here, right? Uh, so, you know, I kind of separated myself. And I think it helped me because, in a way, like, everybody was a lot nicer to me. Uh, but I did see, yeah, yeah, I did, I did kind of see a little bit of, of that, like, like, kids being mean or stuff like that. And I did also didn't understand that, like, I remember... I remember one time, like this kid was making fun of my helmet, <clears throat> but I didn't know it. Like he was being sarcastic and I didn't understand sarcasm then. So he was like, uh, yeah, he, he made fun of my helmet. I was like, yeah, thank you, dude. He's like, that's a cool helmet, you know, being all like a dick. And I was like, oh, thanks, dude. <laughs> you know, and I just skated away. And then, and then I got to know the guy and I, and I realized that, yeah, he was making fun of my helmet that whole time. And I, and I just took it as like, hey, thank you, dude. So for me, it worked out, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't really experience too much about too much of that. I did, I did see some of it. Like I know people would run into each other on purpose. For example, like, like we learned about like skate park etiquette and snaking kind of the hard way, right? Like, if there was a kid like snaking somebody a lot, like eventually he'd get just, you know, shoulder checked or whatever. Um, our our scene was clickish, but but I was kind of like in this weird middle scene. Like I, I was kind of like, we were kind of like the younger guys. So we, we, we kind of just did it to ourselves, to be honest. Like if anything, like, like maybe we were just mean to each other, but as, as far as the older guys, like they were all pretty cool and they all, they all kind of kept to themselves anyways. Like they all just went street skating, like had, like they didn't really, if, if anything, we would get offended that we weren't included, you know, with the, with these cool skaters, but. I mean, what I know is all the guys from Dallas who stuck around are all really cool. Yeah. Most of those kind of like mean kids or whatever, they quit skating, you know, way back in the day already. <laughs> I remember one guy, I'm not going to say his name. <clears throat> I remember one guy, he skated Solomon's and he was sick. Like he had cool ass style. Uh, and I think, I think everybody would know him uh, if I said his name, but he was really cocky. So like he would, he would definitely, yeah, like throw it in your face, like, oh, you did that sloppy, you know, or I'm really cool and this is how you're supposed to do it. Uh yeah, some some of them would would really intimidate you. That I think that that's one guy that I do remember that I just he's he sticks out in my head like, yeah, I didn't like that guy. What was your first skate video you ever watched? God. All right. It was NIST 97. I, I want to say that one. There was a NIST 97 VHS that I got from one of my friends. His mom used to work at Eisenberg's. And, uh, and he had, man, he used to have like all the NIST, like all the NIST, uh, <laughs> all the NIST, like 
things that they would give you, right? Like the, what were those things? The Walkmans? They were called shockwaves. Yeah, shockwave, yeah. Dude, he had a pile of those things, right? He had shockwaves and like, like NIST videos and, and all this stuff. And, it, and anytime I'd go to, over to his house, like he'd kind of clean out his closet and give me all of his old stuff. And uh, when I got into rollerblading, uh, we actually went to the same church and, and uh, he was like, he was like, yeah, man, I, I, I got some skate videos and, and he gave me NIST 97. <clears throat> and I remember I watched that and I was like, holy crap, like, this is, this is what's going on. Like, this is what's actually going on. I, you know, when I was skating, like, I didn't know why we were doing these tricks they were fun, but like, I finally got to see where it was coming from, right? Where, like, these guys were setting these, these trends. So, NIST 97, and then, and then the first real video that I bought was uh, Brain Fear Gone. That was a good video. Dude, I, like, that's still one of my favorite videos. Like, the, the whole, like, the white cassette, and then, like, Aaron Feinberg, like, his section at the end, you had to wait a little bit, you know? And then Brain Fear Gone turned into Aaron Feinberg. And it's like, damn. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, my one of my first videos, but also uh, probably my favorite video. Who were your favorite pros to watch back then? And who had the most impact on your style? Woo! Um, definitely Aaron Feinberg. Like, Aaron Feinberg was is still like i will still kind of defend how good he was compared to like a lot of hammer droppers now like some of the stuff that he did back then still can't be touched now in my opinion right like um aaron feinberg shima for sure like shima shima is where i feel like i got my style from or right where I, where I when i would see him do a trick i would be like oh i want to do a front part of like shima and like, get real low and like been real deep into it um yeah uh feinberg and and shima god who else those are those are the top two that i can think of uh later on i did i did start appreciating like uh like like more of like josh petty and john elliott and dustin latimer even but like for me, Shima and uh, and Feinberg, like like they stuck out more than everybody else to me. And as far as like skating contests goes, you know, you we had mentioned that you skated to hoedowns. Did you compete in the ASAs, street yeah. contests? What was your some of your favorite contests to go to, and what's the best you ever did in the contest? So I uh, I'll say I'll say AS I'll just say ASA. Like ASA came to to Eisenberg's. And, uh, and I qualified to turn pro. Um, I qualified two years in a row, right? Like the first year I, I bombed it. I failed. The second year was in Carson city. Uh, that's when I turned pro and I did pretty well. I remember, I didn't even know the name of this trick back then, but I did like a launch up to full cab alley topsole on this like sub box which was, I don't know if I could do that now even, um, but I was, I did well. Um, yeah, at the, at the end, on my second line, I, I, I did mess up a little bit, but I was 
ranked pretty high in it. And then I turned pro yeah, that year. So, Brad, and who was your first sponsor? Um, well, ra- officially Razors, right? Like Razors, um, they were always there, especially because of Eisenberg's, right? They, they had a cool deal with, uh, with um, what were they called? Um, Flow Team. Uh, but also there was a company called Cuts and Bruises. And I think, I think Richard Johnson was on the team. Uh, they came to Dallas, like they had shirts and stuff. Um, it was only, it only lasted a, a little bit, but yeah, Razors, I think Razors was like the first official, but maybe it was Cuts and Bruises before that. Can't and you skated Razors for Razors for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I know that you were supposed to be in a Razor video and that didn't happen. Yeah. What's the story behind that? And is that kind of when you got off Razors? Yeah, that's when I got bummed out. Um, That's when I got a little bummed out. I was, yeah, I was on Razors for a really long time and they they treated us well, right? Like everybody on the team. That that guy, Trey, that I mentioned earlier, that that dude that... um, one of my favorite skaters to, to see at the skate park. He was sponsored by Razors. He actually helped me get on the flow team, right? Um, and he, you know, I always saw the way he was treated by Razors, which was good. And then of course they treated me well as, you know, like during, during that time. Uh, maybe, maybe it could have been a lack of communication. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'll, I'll never be upset with them for, for that but but yeah like uh in in that time i i had i had collected a lot of clips in europe and uh yeah i don't i don't know i don't know what happened uh so i i got all my clips and uh and i and i made a cool little little edit um yeah i don't i don't know what happened there i i really don't like like maybe maybe i didn't i didn't email them or i don't know but yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. And and my clips were, I, I feel like they were good. So I don't know. <laughs> I saw that edit today and it was pretty good. Razors has a history of letting go of, I mean, look yeah. how many people were in Razors a lot. Yeah. I mean, the person you're traveling with at the time, GoWiki, same kind of scenario. Um, <sighs> yeah. Of, what was the first video you were in? Uh, first video I can remember. God damn. You know what? I want to say it was like, Either, either Medina or Lonnie. Uh, maybe it was Lonnie. I'm not sure. What was who made names? That was Lonnie. That was Lonnie. I, I, think I believe. I, a, I believe it was Lonnie. I think I had a couple skate park clips at at was it Eminem skate park? Yeah, Eminem in South Austin. Yeah. Yeah, I I went there and I I did like I skated the mini and I think he filmed me and and put it i know actually i know he filmed me and put me in in one of his videos but i think that was uh yeah probably the first video that was in him and then and then medina and then one of the guys here from dallas josh navarfar created a a video where i actually got a a real section which was called uh rollerblading is still fun and um that was like the first you know section that i had what was your favorite section you ever made man it's tough 
Uh, it's tough because actually one of them is gone. Um, I used uh, I used a song and that I didn't buy the rights to, and it it was when I was in Peru. Um, sucks. It was a razors my my razors am section. Yeah, it was my razors am section. Um, it got it got taken down, and I and I lost my uh my hard drive with it. That was one of my favorites, just because where I where I was and how I was skating then. <clears throat> I did a section with Bimo, uh, "City Never Sleeps." Um, it was a it was a cool dynamic of people, um, but I feel like it. Damn. All right, I'm just gonna answer the question. My favorite section that if I could if I could look it up now and and say that's my favorite section. Probably rollerblading is still fun. Yeah. Is that on YouTube? Yes. Uh, God, is it on YouTube? If it's not on YouTube, it's on Vimeo. All right. We will look it up and I'll try to put a link in the description below so people can find it. Yeah, that one was cool. I, I was, that was uh, probably my prime years of skating. Working the hardest. Well, that was going to be my next question. When was your skating prime? So that would have been around that time. When was that? How old would have you been? Like uh, 20, 21, 22, 23, 21 and 23. I started really kind of like seeing benefits of, of the amount that I was skating and the amount that I was doing right around the time where I was kind of like leveling out. You know what I mean? Right now, I think I'm, I'm kind of getting back into it. Like, but it's, it's taken a lot more work, right? Like I, I'm having to like pull out the foam roller and jump rope and like really, yeah, take care of myself. Back then it was, it was a lot easier of a process to do. No, for sure. Uh, you know, with age, you definitely have to prepare more physically Dude, and mentally. It's great. Yeah. Mentally. Yeah. It's weird. It's like, they both kind of go together too. Cause like, if I don't physically prepare myself mentally, I'm like, damn, I didn't stretch before. So like, can I do this? You know? or vice versa, you know, uh, mentally, I can pump myself up. Um, but if physically, my body's just not allowing me to, I was just like, No, I'm not, you know, uh, what's your what's your safety trick? What's your go to trick? Now? I got two. it's it's uh, front royale and soul grind. Actually, most people are like, how is soul grind your safety trick? But in some cases, soul and topsoil are so easy. Those are, yeah, those are my, my safeties. And if you could only do one trick for the rest of your life, what would it be? Fish brain. I love fish brain. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hard trick. Uh, it's a one footed trick. I, I feel like, you know, in the, in the process of skating, there's like soul, top soul, top acid, and then fish brain. You know what I mean? Like for me, they all blend together, but fish brain is always my goal. Whether it's alley-oop, or true spin, uh, fish brain feels like the hardest trick. Of all the tricks you've ever done, do you, is there one that stands out as like your favorite one you were most proud of? Um, yeah, I, I would say like there, there, there's, there's an edit, like, I mean, of course, like true fish and true top horn are, are really fun for me and, and full caps and all that. But, uh, but there was this edit, I did a 360, like like in spin not the 
not the outspin way, the, the true spin way, uh, 360 soul that I did on a super steep rail. And, and I came off the end 180 out. That's, that's like my, that's my trophy for myself. Yeah. Sick. That's a rad trick. Three soul yeah, in three soul. And what are you skating now? Like, I know you do both aggressive skating and like urban and big wheel blading. So what's your setups that you skate the most? Uh, well, I have, um, I have a power slide next right now with 110 millimeter wheels. I almost skate them as much as I aggressive skate. Uh, and then my aggressive skates are, uh, the, the white 909 thems with the new soul plate. And I transitioned back and forth between Aeons and, and thems like Aeons are, are great skates. Thems has more options or yeah, more options. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out like which ones I like the most. They're both really cool skates. It, it's hard to say like, uh, like people ask me like, what's the best quality skate or out the box skate. And, and it's tough, right? Like the Aeons come with my fit liners and 60 millimeter wheels, flat setup. I skate flat as well. <clears throat> but then, uh, I don't know the, the way that thems feel on, on my feet is real nice. And you know, I'm, I got intuition liners on them and, I, and I'm skating the them frame flat. Their flat frame is awesome. Uh, so I, I'm really enjoying seeing their process of like, you know, out the box, perfect skate. Cool. Yeah. And what's your favorite skate of all time that you've ever had? The Solomon ST8. And that was your first aggressive skate, right? Yeah. Uh, out, the, out the box, that thing had like a really thick shock, shock absorber. If I'm not mistaken, they were heat moldable back then. Um, yeah, every, everything about that skate was, was perfect. Like, uh, out the box, the only skate that I can compare to that is the Aeon, right? Like, that, that feeling when you, when you grab the skate, it's just like a good plastic. Um, yeah, that was, that was my favorite skate then. And honestly, if they, if they came back and did another skate, that would probably be my favorite skate now. So Jason Reyna, who's from Dallas, yeah. he's now working with them and Julio, he moved to California mm -hmm. and Jason was a really big part of the Dallas scene, you know, from filming hoedown videos and, you know, hosting parties at his house. Did you skate a lot with Jason? Yeah. Yeah. I skated quite a bit with Jason. Um, yeah. He always, he's always um, done a lot for, for the scene. Uh, he, you know, he created, man, a while back, he made it like a online magazine. What was it called? But anyways, like, yeah, he put sessions together. You remember that? Do you remember? I do, he... but I can't, I do remember it now you mentioned it, but I can't remember what it was called. Ah, dude, like, it was pretty cool. It was almost like, it, it was almost our version of Roller News. Ah, I can't remember the name. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah, I, I skated with him quite a bit. And, you know, he's a flight attendant. So, he, you know, he goes around and like, uh, he, he's always traveling, but he's somehow like, you know, always comes back at the right time. So it's, yeah, he's got a, you know, he's had a good thing going with that. He's been able to attend so many events. He's always at an event and 
hanging out with different guys around the country, like definitely doing cool things. He's always done a lot of good stuff for Texas blading and just blading in general. Um, and what's in Texas, what's your favorite city to skate at outside of Dallas? It's kind of tough in Texas. Oh God. I think Austin is really interesting to go to. Austin always has like, every time I've gone now, now I know like when someone goes in town, like, you know, you'll get taken to the spots you want to skate, but I feel like Austin has like, it's not as cookie cutter as Dallas. I think Dallas kind of goes wrong where we have like the most perfect down rails and like flat ledges. Um, Cause most of our suburbs are real square and not very many hills but Austin has a lot of like banks and um funky looking spots like fun spots to skate I actually miss that like I remember actually I was street skating a few days ago and I was complaining like why are we still going to these down rails you know like they're just they're they all look the same if we're gonna go to this down rail let's just go to the perfect one down the street you know like like it's not, it's not fun to look at. It's not really fun to skate anymore because I'm not pushing myself on this, you know. And Austin will have like, you know, like a, like a bank up to a rail or or something funky, you know, like going on. Austin is yeah, a really cool place to skate. They've been building like crazy. Another thing with Austin, it's a lot hillier than Dallas is, so yeah. it has a lot more variable terrain. Yep. To yep. skate on, Dallas is fairly flat. It's um, super flat. Yeah. yeah. We, we don't like. Like I said, like our, unless you go to an industrial area with like ditches, then yeah, you're going to find some cool stuff. But for the most part, yeah, like the suburbs, they all, you know, you'll find a cool, perfect spot, but they're just too perfect. It's, you know, it's, you might as well go to the skate park at that point. <laughs> and Josh Glowicki, when did you meet Josh? How long have you been friends? And, and, uh, and I know that you guys started doing a lot of traveling together. How'd that all start? Gosh, uh, meeting Josh was funny. Like also back in the day around the Eisenberg's times, um, I was out street skating, uh, me and my small group of friends and, and we saw Josh, right? Josh and his brother and like these older dudes, their crew was so cool because they were all really, really good on, on this high level, but they kind of like, they were like, yeah, they, they were this unknown crew from McKinney. Right. So I saw Josh there and then I saw him at the, I saw him at the skate park a few years later, but, I, but we recognized each other. And uh, yeah, the story of meeting him is funny. Cause like um, I used to sag my pants real low. I was like kind of gangster and uh and josh was a little bit more rocker style so he made fun of my pants and then i made fun of his shirt and then we became friends like uh it was, it was cool so like from there he disappeared again and uh a few years later we run into him at the skate park and he was he was skating the k2 fatty pros and we were all on razors then right like the genesis so uh, obviously like this guy has been like skating the same skate for a long time but he was on all of our levels somehow like we, we couldn't understand it like how is this guy skating these old ass skates and like you know so good or whatever 
Um, uh, we had a nickname for Josh too. It was a uh, blast from the past was his nickname. Like, <clears throat> like just this solo guy skating this, this random park destroyed us. Right. And then, uh, and then he's, then he became part of the crew. Like he, he would hit us up and, uh, it was around the time of rollerblading is still fun. Like a, a year or two later, like we made, we made that video and I think he had like the, the ender section, like he killed it. Um, and then from there, like Josh's motivation was really cool because he, he was like more pumped on it than, than all of us. Right. Uh, cause now like there was this new crew that, that challenged him to try harder tricks. And then, I mean, I think that was the first time that he like saw, I, I, I could be mistaken, but like Aragon and like the new, the new skaters. Cause then he started doing 360 tricks, like hurricane tricks. Like he could already skate park really well. And, um, he ended up going to, to winter clash, uh, before everybody else. And that's when he asked me like the year, the year later, he was like, Hey, uh, there's this comp in Europe. You want to go? And I was like, yeah, I'm down. And he kind of showed me everything. And, and then from there, yeah, man, he's like one, he's one of my best friends. Like he really, really cool dude, like stuck with skating and kind of like really pushed it here in Dallas. So that trip to Europe, that was a nine month trip that you and Josh took. Yep. And you went to Winter Clash, and that was your first Winter Clash. Yep. What was that experience like? God, it was amazing. It, that's like, I can, I can say that was like one of the funnest times in in my rollerblading life, right? Uh, and it was completely winged too. So we got, we got one way tickets out there. Uh, and the plan was to just kind of go around, float around for about three months and then come back home. And, uh, while we were out there, um, God, while we were out there, while we were at winter clash, like everybody told us that Spain was the place to be Barcelona. So we go to Barcelona and then there we met up with Richie Eisler and like the USD uh crew or team that they had like in a they had a flat out there and then adrian ann was there and adrian ann kind of broke down like how to travel with skating and uh we went from like being just like these two flow riders for razors kind of winging it to like having a whole itinerary and like a plan to to go to all these comps because well razors finally knew what we were doing out there and uh, all we had to do was just ask. So then from there, I mean, we went to every comp that you can think of. Like, I mean, it could have lasted forever, to be honest. Like, towards the end, I think we were both just tired of traveling that we had to come home. But it was, it was like for me, like an eye opening experience because that's when I realized, like, you know, you just got to kind of put it out there. You, you, you want to you do this, you can do it. Like, I just kind of went with the flow and, it just happened. So back to the winter clash event that you went to. It was your first one, like we said. Yeah. Now, did you compete in it? I did. Uh, I did. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, God, I'm not going to say I didn't try, but 
it was such a cool experience. Like I, I really just skated. I sessioned. I found a really cool little spot. Now that I look back, like it was one of the smallest spots, but it was so fun. It was like a little, yeah, double ledge up and down ledge. Uh, yeah, I, I skated. Yeah, I skated in it. I sessioned it. I think I made it to the next round, and and then after that, I just, I think, man, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think Wagner won that year, and I was so happy because he, God, he's also one of my favorite skaters. He's amazing, dude. He's so cool, and he's got like. <laughs> Like he's got such a cool vibe too. So like it kind of tra- like his energy transferred to like everybody skating in the crowd. Like there's those, there's those skaters that win comps that are, you know, they're just they're kind of like mechanical about it. And then there's someone like Wagner who like, like brings this essence. I, I remember, I remember that uh, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he won that comp. I'm pretty sure I was like kind of running around like, whoa, where's Wagner? Where was that Winter Clash at? Um, Eindhoven. It was in Eindhoven already. Okay. Yeah. It was probably, I, I kind of want to say it was not the first, but like, yeah, like in the beginning of Eindhoven, the Eindhoven comps. Because, but man, when did I go? I think I went there in 2004. No, wait, let me do some math real quick. Cause <clears throat> you might remember when, or who won back then. We're in 2022. I turned 20. I, it was 20, your 21st birthday in Amsterdam. I heard 25th, 25th. Yeah. So that was 11 years ago. 22. I'm so bad at math. What's 2022 minus 11. 2010? 2022 minus 11 would be 2011. Yeah, 2011. 2010-2011 is when I was out there. That was the winter clash. I'm not sure if I was at that one or not. I don't think you were, dude, because I I didn't see you there, and I know if I would have seen you there, like, I would remember. I remember Eric Bailey was there, which was cool. Uh, Brasca was there. They did, like, kind of like this tour like like almost like the i think it was like the second volo tour that they did right like the first volo tour they kind of like you know they made the whole video and and i think they did the exact same spots all over again like russ gilda was still around back then i got to experience all that cool stuff like like what you saw in in the volo video yeah i never went to russ gilda but it looked pretty cool dude that that place was that place was awesome man <laughs> i was yeah, Europe was such a cool trip, man. Like, that's kind of when I realized that that rollerblading was still alive, to be honest. Like, the European scene, I mean, I don't want to sound like a dick, but, like, like, we're so spoiled here in the U.S. that, like, the European guys, like, I mean, they're, they're really, like, creating something, you know? I mean, they would make something out of nothing. Like, we... We went on the We Tour in Romania and like those guys found their own sponsors and like created this tour and, and all that. Like they're really pushing rollerblading. I saw, I mean, we went to Russia that year too. Uh, we were in Moscow and, uh, you know, they created an event. They, they, they took us everywhere and, and we saw rollerblading like super healthy out there. 
And we're like coming back here to the US, I was like, why, why don't we have that here? You know, South America, same thing. Like South America, <clears throat> you know, I mean, their streets are like in a lot of places are not very well, not very good streets, but they're skating everywhere. They're making things happen. Yeah, like Europe, Europe was an eye opener uh, for me. How many countries did you go to on that trip? And what was your favorite cities? Jesus. Thir I think I went to 13, 13 countries. Um, gotta say, I gotta say cities. Copenhagen is one of my favorites. Copenhagen, like, I think if you're younger or just like, I don't know, just, just, trying to like really if you can enjoy yourself Copenhagen has this cool vibe right if you're old older old person too like uh but it just has this young spirit to it I do love France too like France not not I mean I like Paris Paris is more like touristy for me like uh like tours in Toulouse were really cool Fréjus, the south of France, beautiful. Uh, I love those places. Like France, France had this really cool thing where um, they, they're on their own time zone, right? Like they, they, they. Yeah, you just you just live slower in France. Seems like more more laid back. Um, one of the best party places for me was in Romania. Uh, Bama Veke. <laughs> Bama Veke was crazy. Like, also a place that, like, if, you, if you've been to Bama Veke, you're going to say you've been there, right? Like, you just, like, these places that, that don't exist anywhere else. They just, that's just there. So, yeah, Bama Veke, Tours Toulouse, and uh, Copenhagen. Favorite places in Europe. And food-wise, what was some of your favorite food out there? I, I got to say... Like Italy was cool. If Jason Adriani is cooking, of course, right? Like that guy can cook. Um, it, Italian food is good, but I gotta say it once again. Like I think France like takes the cake. Like their food was so good. They had they had this thing. I wish I remember the name. If you're French, you're probably gonna know. But it's like like these hot pans like these hot little pans and like you get different cheeses and like sausages and you you cook it all there like all amongst friends right and like you grab like and they pass it around to where they spin the wheel or something and like you just spend the day like yeah eating like cooking this stuff with your friends and and passing it around gosh that's amazing so good i'm not sure what that is but it sounds really good yeah man if if i'll probably remember it during during our conversation i'll, I'll just I'll just shout it out real quick. So good. And of all the skating you guys did out there, what was the craziest session you were on? What was the craziest trick you witnessed? Do you remember? Yeah, it, I, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, pretty sure I was there that day. I mean, I can't believe I, I would dream it, but uh, it was when Diego Gio did the. No, is it Diego Gio? The True Savannah in, in Barcelona. The disaster. At the forum. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that footage. I didn't yeah. realize you were there. I was there. That's was really there, crazy. Like, 
creeping just in the background. Yeah. That was like one, one of the craziest. But I mean, <clears throat> I saw crazy stuff all the time there. Like, like those guys, you know, some of those, some of those spots were just, you know, you see a topsail on one of those spots and you're like, oh yeah, that's just a topsail, but like they're so rugged. But yeah, that, I think that was the craziest. And then Stefan Alfano, like during they had a oh yeah, the comp feast. Yeah, during a feast, like he had this perfect, difficult run, right? Like if it couldn't get if it couldn't get any harder, his last trick, his ender, after he's all tired, was a disaster hurricane topsail on a rail. Uh, and I was like, I was like, damn, you know, I, I thought you know at one point i thought i was pretty good but when i saw like the, the french skating i i realized those guys are they're fucking animals dude they're machines like like those guys as far as comp skating goes they're kind of untouchable in my opinion yeah they've always been the best yeah because <laughs> yeah. france has always had some of the best indoor skate parks too which helps True. you know and their parks are all built like almost like a competition course yeah and it's huge like i mean I mean, maybe that's what it is, is the training, like to be able to jump that high and trust yourself not to die on those obstacles. Anthony Pochier, I remember I went to the gladiator comp and it's the first time that I, that I'd ever heard of Anthony, Anthony Pochier or Pochier. He skated for razors back then and he was doing hurricane topsoles like nothing. Like, oh, it's just so crazy. Like, oh, and Belgium. France and Belgium, because I think they're right next to each other. So like those scenes kind of like intertwine. So like the Belgium skaters are like maybe a little bit more street oriented. Like what's that rocker dude's name? I forgot his name. Um, from from Belgium? Yeah. He skated for Nim, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's his name is Remy. Remy Meister. Remy Meister, yeah. Yes, dude. Like <laughs> his skating was sick because like he was like you know yeah like belgium like france like this kind of similar cruise but he had like a, a whole other rugged street style watching him skate we went street skating one day and i mean that dude had been drinking and still did like the craziest shit <laughs> like, i could not believe it i love i love that scene i love their skating yeah last time i was in belgium was four years ago and freddie white and Remy lived in a squat in brussels that was super awesome it was like an art studio and they had like a venue in there and like a yoga studio and like but they were paying like a euro a year like to rent it from the city no. <laughs> it was really cool God. now going back to amsterdam and your 25th birthday how was that it was amazing god yeah that was um kevin kevin like he took us in I mean, we didn't know what we were doing, right? Like we were just, that was like the, that was the whole beginning of the whole tour. And, uh, and then Kevin was like, yeah, let, let, let's go out for your birthday. And uh, we, you know, we went to a bar. We were, we were there with uh, Tyrone Ballantine. Who else? I think Freddie was there. I'm not, maybe he wasn't there. I know Tyrone was there. But anyways, like, you know, we partied, it was fun, but at the end, uh, you know, you ride bikes everywhere. I don't think I could get, I don't think one of us could get a bike, right? One of us, one of us was bikeless. 
And I said, well, I'm turning 25 today. So I'm jogging all the way home. And I remember I just, I jogged like right next to them, riding bikes, like the whole way home. Uh, we got a, we got a couple treats, right? <laughs> so I, I, uh, when we got back, I, I got to eat some, some cool cookies and uh, <laughs> had a good night. It was cool. It was awesome. Like, yeah, that was, that was like the spark. That was it. Like that was, this is, this is your trip. And that's where I, that's where I turned 25. Cool. Do you have a favorite memory from that trip? Hmm. Most favorite. Oh, yeah. Let me see. I want to choose one. That's good. Cause I had a, I have a lot of crazy, crazy experiences from that trip. Let's see. Sorry. It might take a little bit. I'm trying to think of one. Um, let's say like the first time that I got to travel alone, uh, was kind of cool. Um, I think that was, I think that's one of my favorite, favorite parts of the trip was, uh, the whole time we had been all traveling together, right? Like as a crew, uh, we would, we would meet up with other razors guys or, or Josh, me and Josh were going somewhere, but this time at this point, um, Josh, Josh was going to go somewhere in France. He wanted to go there. And I wanted to go to a different part of France. Uh, I remember at, at the train stop, uh, pretty sure um i met up with a couple rollerbladers but they kind of just like showed me where to go and i, I hopped on the train i was really nervous because this whole time i was always guided you know and uh and i remember i, I kind of got lost a little bit and i was just walking with my backpack and i was like oh my god like i'd probably like stand out like a sore thumb you know like they're, they're gonna know i'm a tourist and rob me you know and I just like, I, I, at one point I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta just act like I know what I'm doing. So anyways, I looked at the signs. I, I found, I found the, the train I needed to get on. I, I got on the train and, and I fell asleep. And, and when I woke up, like I woke up and there were these two ladies sitting in front of me and, and they were smiling at, <laughs> at me, uh, I don't know why I guess I was like in some cool dream or something but they were so happy like they 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 were so happy to see me like relaxed or something I don't know um <clears throat> and then and then I got to the comp and uh it ended up being like a a really cool comp in France uh we stayed in cabins uh with like Manon was there and Stephanie Richer and uh Adrian Ann and like I was like a cool ass mini ramp with like a, like a V, but that was the, the first time on in that whole nine months where I really got a chance to like, kind of make my own decision and say, I, I want to go here and do it on my own time. I think during these tours, like, uh, you know, I, I got to meet up with uh, Aragon and like uh, Dre and a lot of people who tour around a lot. Like, you know, in, in the beginning, I thought this is, this is a really cool life. But somewhere in the middle, I was like, damn, like, I don't have my own bedroom, you know, like, I can't, 
I got to choose where to eat in a big group of people, like, like how to enjoy my day in a big group of people. So this, this was a, like one of those experiences where I thought I can travel alone. It was cool. And after nine months, you went back to Dallas. Yes. And how did your life like change when you got back, you started working again, like did Europe have an effect on like how you lived your life after that? Oh yeah. Most definitely. Um, when I got back to Dallas, like funny, funny thing is I had two pairs of underwear at that point. Like I had no more underwear. Like I had maybe three t-shirts and one pair of jeans. Like I, I went out there with one of those big, like huge hiking backpacks. And I came back with nothing. Right. And I was excited to have my own bedroom and, and, uh, and all that. But uh, I got I got caught up in and uh, eventually got caught up in the Dallas routine again and and realized like I think I like traveling better. <laughs> so um, yeah yeah my my experience in in Europe definitely changed the way that that I did things. Even the way that I traveled, I started taking the train more, riding my bike more. So. The, your next big trip was with Josh again. You guys went to South America for seven months. And that was a couple years after the Europe trip? Yeah, it was like maybe two years afterwards. Uh, we ended up going to, it was a small tour. It was supposed to be a small tour once again. Uh, Peru, Ecuador, and Chile was the, was the plan. Was the plan. And I think it was for four weeks. And uh, yeah, it was a kind of like a razors thing. Um, there was a shop out in Peru called uh, Extreme Shop or no. I roll Peru. And uh, yeah, I think I think maybe Josh put it together. I think Josh had been to Peru before. Once again, he kind of like like set the path, talked to Andy, Andy talked to me and and here we go. Yeah, next trip was uh, South America. And uh, did you go to other countries besides the first three you were planning on going to? Yeah. I ended up going to Venezuela. To where? Venezuela. Nice. <laughs> it's crazy. It was cool. I'm sure you have some crazy stories from that trip. Do you have any you want to share? Yeah. Um, man, I, I got a lot. Like, yeah, Venezuela was nuts because, you know, Venezuela is economically, I think, one of or if not the poorest country right in the world and uh they're they're doing this transition from like they're, they're, they're like their president is just a dick <clears throat> uh yeah my craziest experience was um first of all there was no toilet paper right they they've gotten cut off by the rest of the the world basically so they have no toilet paper, like their economy is real low. Um, that, that was already the beginning. But um, I remember I did a black market exchange, $200 for like, God, I can't remember how many Bolivares it was, but it, I got a stack this big of money. And that's like a lot of money for them, right? 200 bucks. Well, anyways, we went to Margarita Island, plane ticket plane ticket back cost us 20 bucks. This is how, how bad their, their economy is. 
but I had to hide my money everywhere I went, right? Because they told us about the police. And sure enough, the police pull us over. They see that I'm the only one with an American passport. And they, they tore my, uh, my suitcase apart. Like they were looking for something. Luckily, I had put my money underneath my liner and my skates. So they, didn't, they, they couldn't find it. That was, that was really, I think, the, the scariest uh, experience that I had. Because I was like, I mean, it's one thing like, like hearing things on, you know, on the news or whatever. But when, you're, when your own friends that you're traveling with tell you like, hey, be afraid of the police. And we got pulled over and they, 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 they asked for the, God, dude, I was, I was shitting myself. It was so scary. Do you speak any Spanish? Yeah. I, I got lucky with that. I speak Spanish. So, um, it was, it was easy to, to travel in, in South, South America in Spanish. And I got to meet, um, Santiago Asperu that trip, which is another one of my favorite skaters. Super stylish. Damn. Yeah. He's a cool guy. I still talk yeah. to him every now and then. Dude, that guy. I mean, yeah, he's he's awesome. Like he showed us like some pretty cool food to eat out there. He hung out. Like, I mean, he was skating on a super high level back in the day. And I, I don't know how often he skated when we went out there, but he came with us every day and he got clips, at least three clips a day while while we were out there. Cool. That's rad. He's awesome. Is there an edit from that trip? Yep. We yep. have to look that one up too. It's probably on YouTube, I assume. That yeah, that one I actually made the edit. So not, oh, well, not the best edit, but, <laughs> but it's I'll link that one below as well so people can check it out. I know you definitely like Peru because you've been back a lot since then. What is it that you loved about Peru that brings you back there? Okay one like the main thing that i that i will say that, that i gotta say is that um the friends that you make out there are like i mean like yeah they're really good friends they're just caring people they're caring and sharing like um to the point where like if someone goes and buys a bag of chips they open it up and instead of putting their hand in first they they start to share it's like hey guys here have some of this i love that like uh my friend carlos um when whenever he found out that i wanted to stay in peru he's the one that told me to stay and said you can sleep in my skate shop for free and that guy took care of me for like seven months after that um so i love the friendship that you that you get in in all of south america to be honest i think it's just a south american thing but but peru like really captured me um and then the skating like those spots are also really rough rugged spots um but those guys will just destroy like the passion there is is also i remember in particular like we went to a restaurant and we were allowed to put our own video to watch and uh, i think sandro timoteo chose the video and uh it was like not super old school skating but it was like hammer skating and and for sure we watch a, a shard section and i was like damn like these guys are i mean they're putting they're putting in work 
like super work. What was it like skating with Sandro? Awesome, dude. Like Sandro, <clears throat> Sandro's like, he, everyone knows he's good, right? I, I think sometimes people forget how good he is because he's just been doing it for so long. <clears throat> but he, you know, he's there to skate, but he's also there to have fun. And that's what I like. Like, like skating with Sandro is like, you're, you're going to have a session. Like he's going to joke with you and like actually joke with the whole crew. He kind of makes sure that everybody's having fun. He's like uh, in Peru, I have like, you know, my friends and then my close friends. Sandro is definitely one of my close friends. I was lucky. I got to see him one time when he was still living up in Montreal a couple years back. Oh man. Did you get to skate? Yeah, we went up, I went up to the skate park session and he was skating there. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, met his lady she was out there for some school or work or something i forgot exactly what she was doing there but yeah it was really cool to see him there shredding it watching yeah. his edits from montreal which that city's got a really good skate scene yeah I, I get pretty surprised like i saw he posted something in montreal recently and i was like what are you doing there and he goes dude i come up here all the time i was like wait what i saw him in miami too uh He's still, yeah, he's still traveling around and doing a lot. It's, it's pretty cool. Because he, he yeah. doesn't live out there. He doesn't live out there. Right? He was living out there for a while. Yeah, because I like, know he goes back and forth. But I don't think he's living there now. He could be. I mean, everything kind of got crazy with COVID. I haven't crossed the border in like two years. So, um, but yeah. if he's living out there, I'd like to go see him again. But Dude. I knew he, he moved back to Peru, but he could be back and forth, like you said. He's back. Yeah, he's got to be back and forth. Now in Peru or in South America on a trip, what was some of your favorite cities? What were cities that had some of the biggest scenes out there? Uh, Santiago, Chile, for sure. Um, they, got a, they got a really cool scene. There's a guy named Mike Lilo, Mikey Lilo, that I got to skate with. That guy's, that guy's also a beast. Like, and he spoke English too, which is cool to, to like kind of like on that long trip to, to speak some English and like, but he also spoke Spanish too. Is he's, he's a cool ass dude. Um, cool scene. I think one of Montre's writers is from Chile. Uh, and I got to see her and I remember her like standing out out of all the skating, like Catherine Numero, maybe her name is. I think she skates for Icon. I got this, I got to see her out there. That, that scene was cool uh just a perfect place right santiago um ecuador ecuador was fun um a lot of good skaters there but to be honest peru had for me like the best scene i feel like peru had the best scene and what was the craziest trick you witnessed on that trip hmm Um, God, dude, because Richie Eisler was there. So I wouldn't say it's the craziest trick, but it was one of the coolest tricks. There were these little yellow rails, like, like, I don't know, like maybe like a foot, foot and a half tall. They were like kind of guardrails and there were like 10 of them. And he went full speed 
and he sold all of them. Like he sold, jump, sold, jump, sold, jump, sold, jump, sold, jump, sold. And I think he 360 out at the end, if I'm not mistaken. Like on top of doing all those soul grinds, he threed out. That was really cool. And then there's a, there's a guy from Brazil that, that came to the comp that we went to. And he did like this crazy ass corkscrew 720 with like his hands and his legs just wide out, like fully committed, fully, uh, fully, um, what's it called? Um, oh God, what committed, like he was fully committed to that seven. So he, he didn't grab, he didn't have to grab it. He was, he just like spun it and he was totally corkscrewed. I thought that was really cool too. So heck. Yeah. So my favorite thing about traveling, which I asked you about Europe, is the food. So yep. how was the food in South America? I'm sure it's, I mean, obviously it's going to be different everywhere, but what was some of your favorite dishes you had out there? I, I would say once again in Peru, I think, as, I think with culinary, like there, when I was there, they had won some competition. They were like number one in the world. Uh, ceviche. Woo! ceviche is dude yes like they had a they had this place where like that they get like a fried like a, almost like a fried calamari and they mix it with this like white fish that gets cooked in like lemon juice and, it, and it's just perfect dude it's like the perfect flavor so ceviche is is definitely there and then they had this asian fusion uh peruvian asian fusion which was also really good like uh they had like the peruvian spices and sauces with like these noodles and like chicken um another cool thing that i loved about peru or maybe even south america in general was the markets you could go to any market and you can skate there you can walk there you can walk out of any house that you're in and you're going to find a market like five minutes away and get like a fresh squeezed juice with these fruits that like, like, like dragon fruit or, you know, like these weird fruits that I've never seen before. And they just got them right there. And they, you know, and it costs like a dollar, a dollar 50 and, and they do it right there for you. That's yeah. That's what I love the best was their juices and ceviches god damn even their breakfast just like just simple like going to get some eggs with rice was mm, just so, so good so good and so fresh too i really uh, miss the ceviche from san diego there was a lot of good ceviche when i lived in san diego i was it like uh shrimp ceviche it was all sorts of octopus like no so that's all sorts that's, of different you know you go to a place and they would have like 10 different kinds of ceviche there's a lot of hispanic people in in California, uh, like my parents are from Guatemala. It's Central America. So our ceviche is shrimp. Now, as much as I want to like, you know, give a good shout out to like Central America, Guatemala, and I think I think Peruvian ceviche is better. <laughs> like the, you know, shrimp is good, but it's almost like a shrimp cocktail. When I was in Miami, I had some good ceviche too, almost, almost to the level of Peru. Cool. South America is one place I never got to go to that I've always wanted to. Hopefully, I'll make it sometime, dude. When things get a little bit less crazy. Now, what's the last trip you made for skating? 
Miami. Yeah, I went to the Frankie Morales Invitational. And how was that event? That was pretty, looked like it was pretty cool. And I saw he's going to do another one fairly yeah. soon. Yep. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I was kind of torn, you know, like the, the shop is a, is a blessing, right? But when it comes to traveling, it can, it can make it difficult. So I had to kind of choose between uh, Blading Cup and Frankie. And uh, for some reason, like I just thought the Frankie comp was going to have a different vibe. I've never, I mean, it was his first, I think it's his first comp that he's thrown. And then, and then I had been to a couple of Blading Cups. So um, I was like, you know what, let me, let me check out this Frankie comp, right? I went a week early. And I, and I hung out like I, I tried to do like a, like a little bit of a Nils, you know, I brought my foam roller and like, so did some solo missions and just kind of chilled, you know, went to the beach and stuff. <clears throat> and then, and then the comp comes and I'm looking at the weather the whole time, you know, in between, I'm like, damn, I think it might rain during this comp. This, this might suck, you know? Anyways, like it rained but the vibe of the Frankie comp was so cool. Like, um, I mean, a lot of amazing people were there. It didn't feel like a, didn't feel like a competition competition. It felt like a, like a big session. Like everyone was smiling, having fun. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I want to go to the one in April. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go. Josh does blading camp now mm -hmm. in Europe. Have you been to, going to those at all? Yeah. When was the last time you went to one of those? So I went for my first one a few months ago. Oh, check this out. Eh, funny. This is one of the blading camp ups. And it's got like a little carabiner. So you can like put it on your on your jacket. Dude, Josh is doing amazing with blading camp, right? Uh it's not just like a like a sales pitch or anything. Like, like first of all. I mean, just going to Malaga is, is amazing, right, by itself. But what they're doing over there is, is even better. Like, they're, they're really – they've really figured it out. They've figured out uh, what makes it fun for an instructor as well as a student. Beautiful. They've added quad skating now. And I know they had quad skating at Frankie's Comp. Yes. Too, yeah. right? And, and you're selling quads in your shop. Now, how is the relationship of quad skating with inline now? Have, have you, being in a shop owner, what are you seeing happening with the two sports? Uh, first of all, yeah, like, I see it being a little, I see it a little slower, right? Like the, the real, the real combination or like the, the combination to where like, we're sessioning together, right? Like we, we have our Tuesday and Thursday night skate here in Dallas, but rarely will a quad skater join. Now, if we're sessioning at a park and there are quad skaters, uh, you know, we'll skate together. And, and that's amazing. Uh, for example, like one of the guys here just gave away a pair of rollerblades to one of the quad, uh, quads, quad girls here. And then uh, there's another quad girl who bought a pair of bladies, right? So I know for a fact that like, if, 
if we can get that combination set correctly, our sport will be 10 times stronger. To be honest, like I feel like a lot of my shop's success is because of quads. And I feel like a lot of rollerblading success recently has been because of quad skating, right? Like uh, quad skating is kind of bridging this gap, in my opinion, between skateboarding and rollerbladers. Uh, you can see it because there's some skate parks that we got here that don't allow rollerbladers, but they do allow quad skaters. Um, and then quad skaters are very neutral when it comes to like hating on another sport. Like they're, they actually talk rollerblading up because it's very similar to rollerblading. Um, yeah. Uh, quad skating is a, a huge portion of, I think like where, where we're going too. And, and we're a huge portion of where they're going as well. Cause like it's a very similar sport. Yeah. It's also interesting seeing how many of the, you know, roller skating, you know, main people in it are dating like a rollerblader, you know, like estrogen dating Miguel Ramos and you have spicy Ivy dating Bellino and um, Matt Mickey's girlfriend as well. Montre, so it, too, I think. And Montre is dating a sca roller skater girl. So you got, you got these, but you know, like estrogen and like, spicy ivy they're pretty like renowned in that world especially estrogen you know doing moxie skates so it's kind of you know that unification is pretty cool too because they're bringing a lot of exposure to both of the sports yeah and then and then not only yeah that and and then uh like i said with with skateboarders i mean i don't, I don't know how it is in, in every other state but i know here we have a we have a part called i think it's called four down the one that only lets uh, skateboarders in. The moment that they started letting roller skaters in, a couple rollerbladers have kind of trickled in there, you know. So, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. It's pretty cool to have like a a different view on 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 rollerblading, on aggressive skating in, in general. And I think roller skating does help out a lot. And were you, when you were at blading camp, was roller skating happening at that session? Uh, I was in a few of them. I think I was in like maybe three or four weeks. It wasn't a full, like I never went to like a full roller skate one. I just remember, I just remember Montre having his roller skates on during, during one of the sessions. I don't think so. Now, I know like, Somewhere in between there, there was one, like a only roller skate one. God dang it. I'll, I'll just say it. I think, I think the ones that I was in was mainly aggressive skating. Um, although I, like I said, I did see Montre put on his roller skates and he killed it just like, just like on aggressive skates on that, on that level. I did watch a couple edits, uh, of the full roller skate, uh, uh, camps um and 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 it's basically basically the same as the aggressive one except they're they're really pumped like super juiced so why should people travel to malaga for blading camp what's the what's the what makes experience so fun for people why should they go god all right super easy you're gonna you're gonna get it all right from seeing malaga right like how how beautiful it is 
to skating you get and and there's no time wasted right like they're they're organized so they're gonna take you in the morning for a beautiful breakfast oh my god even the hotel where we stay at like it had a swimming pool almost like one of those endless pools right like um and and it, the price is amazing i think it's like like under seven hundred dollars for like the whole the whole package right like you god right, i'm gonna try to say i'm gonna try to say it the way i experienced it i had my own little hotel room almost like cabin style with like like a, a beautiful like like water like pool thing like waterfall thing in front of me you get you wake up in the morning you go downstairs for breakfast and then you got like a different breakfast every day that they're cooking for you every single day nothing is like it's all fresh right uh juices and then josh is josh is also combining uh you know the the vegetarian style which i know josh Niels, and montre all do so you you can have your choice to eat meat or vegan right which is a cool option uh you can do yoga in the morning with Niels or exercise in the morning with with joe like whoever whoever who's going to lead the group um have breakfast then the bus comes it picks you up we'll go to a skate park and then somewhere in between we go and see a part of Malaga that not very many tourists get to see. So we went mountain climbing. We went to really beautiful beaches. Um, we got to see the city. There was, there was always something really cool to do. And then you got to see almost every skate park in Malaga. I don't know. I, I like, I'm, I just turned 36, right? So like, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting older and, and I'm thinking, I don't want this part of my life to disappear. You know what I mean? Like, it's so cool. Like, it's beautiful. Really, really cool experience. And then not only you get the traveling and the skating, but then like the vibe that the instructors give to, which is this really cool motivation. Um, like, like I said, hanging out with, with Niels while he was there, like, it was cool. Like it kind of brought me back down to, to life, right? Like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to foam roll. I'm going to stretch, you know? And I, and I took that with me home, you know? Um, and then Montre has like a, like this powerful vibe of like, he's just a go-getter. He can, he can do whatever he wants. He, he'll just say he's going to, I saw him do so many crazy things on that trip. Like, uh, like they had these, those uh, calisthenic, uh bars right and like he was like swinging and flipping and swinging again it was just something that i still am trying to do right now uh joe atkinson was there which is like he's another guy like he's just like uh he's on another level like talking to him being around him skating with him also revamped me you know so like i mean if you're if you're a kid you're just getting into it yeah like the kids kids are pumped but if you're an older guy like my age and you want to go out there to, to, to just skate, have fun. Like, trust me, you're, you're gonna come out of there, like pumped. And I was there as an instructor. So like, I mean, I don't know, like they, they, they really do a, an amazing job. Josh as well on the bus, they get on the microphone, like, and it's genuine, like they're genuinely 
they're genuinely doing something for rollerblading. I think like if this was like a corporate thing, they, they would, yeah, they, they would probably charge a lot more and like, I mean, they're, these guys are like, they're, I don't know. They're putting all their heart and, and soul into this. It's amazing. I, that I think, is really cool. Yeah. It's amazing. I would love to experience that sometime. I think it would also, I think it would also be really cool to have, you know, more camps like that around the world. Like having one in the U S would be really rad. Like, yeah, I mean, it seems like a, they've created a model that could be replicated or, you know, associated with them in different places. Cause I think, uh, like a circuit of blading camps would be pretty cool i heard i heard someone mention something like that i talked to josh about it too uh we talked about in the future doing something like that in texas uh and and it would it would be really cool to like someone who i watched some can't remember who i watched but they they said the same thing like like make it like a tour you know like like start somewhere almost like a like a series of competitions, you know what I mean? But do it that in camps, it'd be amazing because people can see like, I mean, when, when someone thinks about Spain, if, if blading camp wasn't there, I would always just say Barcelona. And then, and then I went to, I've been to Barcelona and Malaga puts Barcelona to shame. Malaga is just like, it's almost like, uh, I'm not talking down on, on, on Amsterdam, but like, you know, Amsterdam has this bicycle thing, you know, like, uh, coffee shops and all that but then there's and there's Copenhagen which is like like the place with li- like li- less tourists so it's like makes it more fun I think I'm sure Amsterdam has been really nice the past two years with COVID when there's been no tourists there <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's dude, like they gotta reclaim their own city seriously I bet they're taking a break because most of the guys that I that I met in Amsterdam like Kevin right Kevin Kevin is a totally like sobered guy like he doesn't drink he doesn't smoke like you know he's just hangs out right but tourists who go there like they think that's the party town right uh most of the guys that i met out there that lived in amsterdam were just very like level-headed like you know they'll, they'll party but it's not the same not the same kind of partying on that drunken level you know uh yeah they're probably getting a badass break oh, they've yeah. probably seen a lot of shit too <laughs> a lot yeah dude like oh my god that's a wrap for part one of the fritz peitzner interview make sure and check out part two where we talk about big wheel blading and his shop carriers we also discuss his severe head injury he received at the powwow at the beginning of covid and we talk about the recovery process and how he is today i hope you enjoyed part one if you did make sure to hit the like button subscribe to this channel if you haven't already hit the bell icon to be notified of all new uploads and i have links to my social media in the description below you can follow me on facebook twitter and instagram and if you want to support this channel consider becoming a patreon member you'll receive exclusive content not available on this channel as well as being entered into monthly giveaways there's a link to my patreon page in the description below thanks for watching part one of the done now blading podcast with fritz peitzner and make sure to check out part two